Hey, Dina. Do you know what we're talking about today? Yes. Come a come a come a come a come a come a passion. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we honor God and the things he does. With your hosts, Hunter, Jessica, Finn, and Dina. Welcome to the Altered Podcast, where we have terrible intros before the <gasps> intros. I, what? <laughs> they are fantastic, by the way. And we honor God and the things that he does, not by our intros, but with the rest of the podcast, we make up for it. Ten random listeners were polled, and they said that they loved it. Don't <laughs> lie to the ten random listeners. <laughs> Don't hit the table, sorry. What's wrong with you? I'm a little angry about the intro before the intro. Hey, you'll be all right. I was told that this would be a Christmas-only thing, or this would be a Halloween-only thing. But Christmas is over. Yeah. What are you talking about? I know. So then Halloween came, and then, no, then Thanksgiving I came. I am giving the then, people what they want. And then... Christmas came, and now we're back to normal episodes, and guess what? The intro, before the intro, is still here. You know the, you know the research, not like our research, but like <laughs> actual like smart people research shows that the intro before the intro boosts your listenership. Fake news. Fake news? Nah. <laughs> Fake nah. news. Nah. Don't believe it. It's the, it's, a, it's the only news you've heard so far on this podcast. Breaking news. <laughs> So anyway, what are we talking about again? Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love Chameleon, that song, but what are we talking, talking about? We're talking about compassion. Oh, compassion. Yeah, I had to say it like a little weird because I gotcha. it just didn't work otherwise. I got gotcha. you. So, y'all, what's happening right now? The NFL playoffs are on. While we're recording this. know that I love you people. Whenever I'm sitting here at a table, not watching a football game, but talking into a microphone. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's almost like, I'm just so sad. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird, though, is we're actually, like, recording these and releasing these, like, at the same time. There for a while, we were recording them ahead of time. I know. We were almost, like, a month ahead. And yep. that was awesome, except for whenever it actually came out and somebody would ask me a question about it, and I'd be like, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that was like four or five episodes ago. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I miss those days. Oh, by the I do too. Actually, we need to get back to yeah. those. By the way, my mom has a bone to pick with you, Hunter Deal. Yes. The last I think it was the last podcast episode. I guess she was talking about that. You said that she was mean when you talked to her, and I just talked to her on the phone, and she's like, "Am I really mean? How do I need to change? Like, I don't want to be mean to people." And I was like, "It's not that you're mean." It's he was saying, I think, maybe not, but I think in the context, I think you were saying that she just was like, seemed to be tough. Like she was a tough person. No, Ben's mama. I'm just going off the stories that your son tells. <laughs> <laughs> you're fired. We're talking your pay 150%. You're never allowed to do this show again. Mom, that's probably true. I uh, love you. Um, there you go. I talked to your mom on the phone and she was a lovely lady. She is a lovely lady. I met her once at a funeral. And yes. I can't remember whose funeral it was, yes. but she just seemed a little scary in person. But when I talked to her on the phone, she was lovely. It's probably because I told you stories about how she whipped me when I was a kid or something. <laughs> <clears throat> it's all right. Mama, we love you. You ain't mean. Don't worry. Um, except when you have fan. to be. Yeah, she is our number one fan. So we got to so. be careful. We don't want to lose our number one fan. She's well, like then. the queen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, maybe not quite like the queen. <laughs> we lost the queen for a different reason. Um... You don't need to change at all, Mama Burnett. There you go. Yeah. You don't need to change. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you hear the thing <laughs> draining. <laughs> it's, it's like that was a terrible point, Flush. Anyway. Um, yeah, Hunter likes to turn his dishwasher on. Yeah. yeah. Why, why is that still <laughs> right before, Right before the podcast. I like well, to know that my dishes are getting clean <laughs> while we're being proactive. It, it reminds you when you listen to the podcast, oh, yeah, I should do dishes for my wife. That's what it, that's what it does. I don't know if, if y'all may not be able to hear it. it. It makes you have compassion on your wife when you hear the dishwasher by thinking, mm. I should. You know, we dishwasher. have a really good, just cut Ben off right there. <laughs> we have a really good hosting platform. We do. In the name of Anchor. Yeah. By Spotify. And you know what? They had compassion on us 
by allowing us to do an ad that earns us money. It's like a penny every time you it's listen to it. It's 10 cents, Ben. Is it 10 cents every time you listen? Wow. Because so. it's like, mm. yeah. well, could you, re- could everybody go out and listen to this like 12 times? <laughs> <laughs> just this part. <laughs> just, yeah, just the ad, just over and over. Yeah, our ad is actually about up. We're going to have to do another one because they're going to give us a new one soon. Oh, Ooh, awesome. It's about yeah. time. So if you have suggestions about ads, Anchor, because you're the only one that can. can they give us a very loose script. <laughs> they it do. was very loose, yeah. yeah. All right, well, enough talk about that. Um, enjoy this ad break. Yeah. We are back, and Ben unmuted me like that was kind of odd. That's because I didn't want to hear you talk. (laughs) Well, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know who I don't have compassion on? It's Ben. Uh, Moving on. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, what is compassion? Mm. Well, Hunter, start us out. What do you think compassion is? I say compassion is the greatest miracle we see in the Bible. And that's, that's saying something because we see a lot of coolio thingios. You know what I'm saying? Mm, that's true. We see, you know, bread and uh, little pieces of fish getting multitude over like 5,000 times. We see somebody getting raised from the dead. Multiple multiple people. Multiple people. Multiple people. We even, you know, we hear about tons of things. We hear about the Red Sea splitting open. <clears throat> but what I say is, is that the king of the universe, the one who hovered over the face of nothingness who spoke creation and that the, his those very words are still bouncing off the edges of space and are still creating to this day had came on flesh form and has compassion upon us sinful beings that is a miracle yeah yeah we were talking before this about <clears throat> like in Romans, how, you know, it talks about that um, God will have compassion on whom he has compassion and all that stuff. And it's a reference back to Exodus 33, where the original covenant was instituted with um, with Moses. Not the original covenant, but there was a covenant that was instituted with Moses. And because uh, the original covenant was with Abraham. But um, when you see the covenant instituted with Moses, um, Moses is like, hey, if... If you won't go with us, don't send your people from here. Like that, we like I want that to be the thing that marks your people. And God goes exactly like we're going to do right. that. And so um, it's just interesting that um, in that particular moment, um, God says, "Hey, you're going to stand on the rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand so that you won't die because nobody can see me and live." And He's like, "And I'm going to proclaim my name." And then he says this really interesting thing. He says in verse 19, it's 33, 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim the name of Yahweh before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it's interesting. It's almost like when we see in the book of Joshua, for instance, when the angel of the Lord pops up and he's talking to Joshua and Joshua's like, uh, who are you for us or our enemies? And the angel of the Lord goes, no, but, and then he proceeds to tell him all the stuff, right? Well, it's just like I said today in church when we was praying for our prayer needs. It is just enough for me to know that my prayer needs can be hoisted up yeah. to the Creator. Mm-hmm. If He never answers one of them, yeah. it, it, He was a compassionate, merciful God from just even listening to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's how big He is yeah. in the grand scheme of things and yeah, how and little have, I am. Right. And have you ever heard somebody say like, you know, I pray and I, I didn't see something happen. So obviously God's not real. Well, that's not, that's not the case at all. Like at the end of the day, it's not that is God real or not by how he answers your prayer. It's God is real. What will you do with it? Right. Um, I was talking to a guy at work this week and he was asking me questions about different things. And one of the things that kind of popped in my mind was, you know, at the end of the day, whether I get all my questions answered in the, in the fashion I want them answered in or not, God's still God. What am I going to do with it? Right. right. And that I think that's really like we were talking about is the creation narrative literal. And I know we've talked about that before. I'm not going to try to go into that. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. Like the, the creation narrative, the point of it is to get you to question and look at how great God is. Right. right. Um, and so if that's the case, it doesn't matter what the answer to that question actually probably is. What matters is God is real. What are you going to do about it? Well, I think the, another thing, too, is, is that God is 
compassionate. God yeah. is merciful. Yeah. Um, but God is also just, right? We right. see that. There's those paradoxes in the Bible all the time. Yeah. But what I think is interesting is as you start looking into the life of Muhammad, mm-hmm. start looking into the life of Buddha, compassion is not a name of their game. Yeah. Um, we do not see a compassionate God um, in the Hindu faith. We do not see, well, I mean, this this lifestyle of Christianity yep. uh, and our tr- true living God has compassionate or has compassion is because he is real and he created that that uh, emotion, that feeling mm-hmm. as we're about to get into that compassion is an actual feeling. Um, so in Philippians 2, Jessica's going to read it for us, but I think it starts talking about that. Yeah, yeah, it does. Jess, what does Philippians 2 actually say? And I took out the King James just for you. So praise the Lord. We're reading CSB now. It says, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Um, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Um, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Um, everyone should not, or everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Yep. So, wait a minute, uh, Pastor Ben. When you when you look at that, I'm speaking to myself because um, <clears throat> that's what I do. I don't see the word compassion in there. So why is this about compassion? It's describing passion. It is. It or is describing de- compassion. It is. And actually, if you look, and this, I took the King James out, but if you look at the King James, it actually says, um, let me see if I can find it just real quick. The King James has this really interesting way that it says this. Um, um, Quick, talk amongst yourselves. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, The King James actually says it this way. It says, "If if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels... And mercies. Now you heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. It is bowels, like my bowels. Like you I have a bowel. Love a good bowel movement. Movement, exactly. Any bowels and mercies. And actually, that word bowels and mercies, if you kind of clump those together, you get the same concept of compassion in the Greek as you get when it talks about compassion in other places that we'll talk about later. And so when we look at Philippians, we are, like Jessica said, we are reading about compassion on a Jesus level. And so I thought it was kind of important to start there. And so it says, if you have any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any affection and mercy is how CSB puts it. Then Paul says, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love. So I think love is a part of compassion. Um, unity, I think, is a part of, can be a part of, of being compassionate on others. Like I will unite with them to help them in a cause, you know. Um, intent on one purpose, that's what I was talking about. Uh, verse three then says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves." I think that is a fruit of compassion. I think that's something difficult that we all struggle with in today's world. Yeah. Well, we we just talked about that two podcasts ago mm-hmm. um, with the good or despised Sar- uh, Samarian. Yeah. That that is what it's talking about. Yep. Yep. And then lastly, um, again. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. And so the fruits of compassion we find there. Um, and I, it kind of finishes off uh, with verses 5 through 8. And it says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider. And this is this really almost like, um, uh, oh, controversial kind of verse. Like people are like, what does this mean? You know? It says, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or in other translations as something to be grasped. I'm kind of like the way the CSB says it. Um, but instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he comes as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so what, what did Jesus do in his compassion? He, he died for us and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah. So the concept of compassion, big, huge thing. Um, it's not just something that we should take lightly, though we often do, as Dina said. Um, so, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. <laughs> Especially with Valentine's Day coming up, you mm. know, the season of love. Season of love. 
Ew. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> yeah. Don't start. <laughs> it's your birthday. It's your birthday season. It is. Mm, that so too. You should have compassion for your wife. Yep. I do on so, her birthday, not Valentine's Day. So that that begs the question then: Is love and compassion the same thing? I think you can't mm. have one without the other. Um, it's a it's like a double edged sword. Mm. Um, I think if you have love, you'll naturally have compassion. Mm. Without having, com- if you can't. You can't have compassion without love. It is because love, in my sense, I think uh, Jesus turns love into a verb, mm-hmm. um, and compassion is this feeling that I have for people, and then love is what I go and do um, to other people. So, which comes first, compassion or love? I think love would have to come first because I think if you had so much love in your heart, you would want to go do good mm. and. Uh, you would want to have compassion on others because you're just so like, you're filled with so much happiness and the desire to spread that. Yeah. That you would be wanting to help others. The fruit of the spirit is love. One of them is love, not compassion. Yeah, that's true. I just had to go through all of them. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not compassion. Um, So which which would probably tell me that love comes first, Mm. um, especially if I'm saved. Mm. Love is a fruit of spirit. So when I'm saved, um, love is going to be a natural thing that comes to me. Um, but compassion is something that I feel when I'm acting loving to somebody else. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Mm. So love is the verb. Uh, I think it's in John. He says that you will know that you people will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love them because I have loved you. Uh, by by your love for each other, right? He says. And, yeah. yeah, and so love is a doing. Right, Christ loved us, died on the cross for us, things like that. He verb loved us. It was just an almost an idea before that, um, but now having compassion, like you said, is a feeling, and then I act on that feeling. So, question: Have you ever looked at someone and not felt particularly loving towards them, but had compassion on them anyway? Yep. Well, I mean, there's different. So, tell me about that. <laughs> the homeless. Okay, tell me about that. So, I mean. A lot of the homeless, they, I mean, they have, you don't know how they become homeless mm-hmm. exactly, but at the same time, you're, you, you don't know them, so you can't like love them. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But it, so I guess you don't yeah. know if they're just there because I mean, I was reading an article on the internet that like in Lexington, Kentucky, that. What do they call them? Uh, people who act homeless, they stay on the street. Oh, panhandlers. Yeah, panhandlers. Uh, like they were on average were making six figures a year, non-taxable income. Wow. Um, and some of those panhandlers, you don't even know if they actually are homeless. Well, that's what I'm saying. So we, a lot of them are. They they hop the guardrail, they walk down, they get into the car, and they drive home. Yeah. And then they park their car somewhere and they hike up a hill and they stand on the side of, on the side of the road mm. all day. So I could see why. That would be a thing. Is, mm-hmm. Are these people really homeless? Are they, you know, is it really a retired vet who's out of work? Or, yep. I could see that. Should mm-hmm. we think that way? Probably not. Yeah. Well, and the Bible never tells us what, what the, <clears throat> like, just consider what they'll do with this gift before you give it to them. It just says, right. Give. And yeah, my grandmother used to say, expecting nothing in return. Give them money. And if he goes and buys beer with it, that's on him. Right. You was obedient. Right. Yeah, and I think it really comes down to this idea of, of how, is, how is the Holy Spirit moving you to do something with the compassion that you feel, right? And I would agree. Like, there are times when I see people on the side of the road, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, my first reaction is not love. But the more I think about it, the more I'm drawn to compassion, feel compassion for them, whatever, however you say that, right? Yeah, Dina, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that there's, you know, different types of, of love. Whenever you're saying love, it's not like, you know, you want to go marry the person, but mm-hmm. just that you feel something toward them. I was going to say compassion toward them. And I was like, wait, no, we're trying to describe what compassion is, yeah. but your heart is moved toward them just yeah. a little bit, you know, whether you could have experienced something similar to them or you try to, I think that's why sometimes we have a hard time connecting with some you know, like, for example, we're talking about homeless people. Yeah. Luckily, I've never been homeless. 
but we can't really connect with that. We don't have that experience, you know, but people who have been near homeless or have been homeless, you know, they're doing amazing things with homeless ministries and different things like that. Cause they know what those hardships sometimes are like. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been kind of talking about it and I was going to save this for you bust out your Bibles a bit, but we'll go ahead and talk about a little bit of it ahead of time. Um, the word compassion is really centered around this Greek word. It's splenizomai. Exactly. Yep, that's how you remember it. Um, but splenizomai is a word that actually it talks about its deep, like gut level feeling. That's why we talked about the the Philippians verse. Is when it talks about the bowels, it's kind of like it comes from there. Like it comes from this really deep gut level feeling. It's not just something that, like when you see somebody. It's not just something that's like, oh, I should help them, whatever, and you turn away. It's actually something where you're like, no, I have to do this thing. Like, it's important to me to do so. And so it kind of helps with the explanation of compassion when you think about it from that perspective. It's this deep gut level feeling that I want to do something. And then out of that, you do something, right? Um, and so, so we see, you know, what is compassion, but we see it expressed in a couple of different stories. Hunter already kind of mentioned it, the parable of the Good Samaritan. That one's one of them. Um, you know, it talks about like Luke ten thirty three, for instance, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. It's the guy who got beaten up. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. Um, you see it. That's right. You see it in the prodigal son. Um, Luke 15, 20. So he got up and went to his father. This is the prodigal son who told his dad, dad, you're dead to me. Give me all my stuff. I'm leaving. And so he has a horrible time after a while because he runs out of money and he realizes, oh, my father's house was actually a pretty good place after all. And so it says he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Splink. He was filled with compassion. Compassion. <laughs> I was trying to sing and it wasn't working. Yeah. So he ran and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Um, and, then, and then we see this story that we talked about in church just a little bit. Um, we see the feeding of the 5,000. Now I preached this already, so I feel like I've kind of already got a little handle on this one. Um, but when you look at the feeding of the 5,000, it's actually, you find it in Matthew 14. Um, and in Matthew 14, it says a couple of things. So 14, 13 says this, it says, when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd had compassion on them and healed their sick. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. In verse 18, he said, bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. So what you see is you see a couple of things in the story. You see, number one, that uh, this story actually comes on the heels of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Yes, he was Jesus' cousin, um, being killed by the, the resident king, right? And so Jesus withdraws from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. Makes sense. You know, you lose somebody, you want to kind of be alone potentially. Um, that's kind of what we assume by, you know, based off the story. Um, and then, but it says when he went ashore, there was a large crowd there because um, they had followed him there on foot from the surrounding towns. They were like, hey, we see Jesus leaving from here. It only makes sense probably that he's going to be somewhere around this area. Let's run over there. And so, you know, people think that, oh, that must have been a long way. Well, the Sea of Galilee, yeah, it would have been long. But the Sea of Galilee is not really big. It's, it's funny when you hear people talk about Bible places, because Bible places are crazy small. Um, and so the Sea of Galilee, it probably would have been a couple mile run, um, which for us, I'm like, for me, like Big Fat Ben, I'm like, mm, that's a long way. But for a, you know, group of people who like, that's how literally how they get everywhere. Like they run, they walk. It's not such a big deal for them. And so they run to where Jesus is going to be. Um, and so when Jesus sees them, it says that he has compassion on them. Um, and so we talked about it in church just a little bit, but one of the things that compassion kind of demands is action, right? Um, you can't just feel compassion for someone and do nothing about it biblically. Um, if you look at James chapter two, for instance, that we kind of go, um, 
you can kind of look at James chapter two um, and kind of get that that same sense. James two talks about how um, our faith is actually completed by our actions, and so it's the the verse where it says, you know, you see somebody who's cold and hungry, and you don't just say to them, be you know, be warm and well fed, and leave them on their way uh, without actually doing something about it. If you if you don't. Um, you actually have no love or compassion for them, that kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, James chapter two actually says that, you know, it's that old, you, you show me your faith without works. Um, and I'll show you my faith by my works for faith without works is dead. It's that verse. Um, and so at the end of it, what we see is that, and there are, there's a lot more to that story, but basically at its most basic level, um, the compassion of Jesus and our compassion should be met by good works. It should be met by this thing where we're like, hey, we're going to take action with this thing. And so that's what we see there. Um, we see that Jesus' compassion does the same thing. And so, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, and I think the last time, um, or that it, for the last one, it's not on our list here, but Jesus heals a blind beggar. Mm. It's in Luke chapter 18. Mm. As he draws near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him, uh, commanded him to be brought to him. And when he saw, came near and he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. So he's calling for Christ to have mercy on him. Or what I call AKA compassion. You know, stop, have compassion on me. And what did Jesus do? Stopped. From Jericho, he was on his way to his death. Yep. This was his journey to his death. He just got done telling the disciples for the third time that he's going to die. AKA the disciples didn't really grasp that concept, but he's going from Jericho to Jerusalem for his death and on his way to be, and he knows it's coming. He's going to be nailed on the cross. He stops and has compassion on one lonely beggar who has nothing. I mean, if, if Jesus would have just left him, be, let him be really, the story wouldn't have changed that much, but he had compassion on him. Mm. What, uh, where was that found? Luke 18. Okay. Cool. <clears throat> so like I said, so it, it just amazes me that the miracle in the story is not the man getting his sight back. It's that on his way to his death, Jesus stopped the creator of the universe about to uh, make the plan of redemption come to completion. In his acts, in the next in the next few days, weeks, however long it is, and he has that on his mind. He stops and has compassion on a lonely beggar. How even much more does he have compassion on us? Is the question. Mm. Yeah, it's good. So, how does this apply to our daily lives? Yep. Well, number one, I think I think you have to again go back to that concept of. Of true compassion requires action. You can't just have compassion on somebody and just leave them be, right? Um, I think we got to look at the the James verse. You know what I mean? So uh, James chapter two again, um, and I'm going to change off of the King James version just you know for giggle's sake, right? Um, but uh, James chapter two. He's searching. He's searching. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic pause. Yeah, so let's let's just start in verse 14, for instance. Um, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? For brother or sister is that clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead. So, you know, you can go the, 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 your faith is dead without good works, but you could also go with your compassion is dead without the same thing. Right. You have to have that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it, I think number one, how does this express in our daily lives? Compassion 
has to be followed by action. Right. Yeah, compassion, <clears throat> if to me, it's sometimes it seems like it's given by the Spirit at certain moments. Mm, yes. Uh, it's like it's funneled into us. It seem, almost seems like we can't have this. I'm not saying that this is the case, but it seems like at times we can't feel this emotion unless the Spirit gives it to us mm. um, because it just happens at the most ironic moments, usually when there's a ministry chance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in tune with the Spirit, you kind of see those things. While I'm having compassion, I can have a chance to, to really make Jesus shine here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how does this apply to our lives is that this is something that Christ did in turn, we should do this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he did this on average Joe's, even whenever he had, a, when he was mission minded. Um, that is one of the big points that I have whenever I preach on the woman at the well mm-hmm. is that he had a point, he had to get from place A to B, but he, and he was mission minded, but he also had to stop and talk to the woman at the well. And it's the same thing. We have we, we go to work every day. We have uh, our own ministries that we're doing. We are mission minded, um, but our mission is now God's mission, mm-hmm. and we have to stop whenever He tells us to stop. Have compassion. That's why I say that that emotion, that deep uh, pit of our stomach anguish that we feel, I believe sometimes comes from the Spirit. Yep, I agree. Um, and I think that's part of the reason too, why some people have compassion on people and other people don't feel that like you can be in a group of people and see somebody on the side of the road, you know, asking for money or whatever. And one person will give to him. The other person's like, I didn't even think about doing that. You know, I almost think it's like this, this thing where the spirit works on somebody and it's like, right. Hey, you know? Yeah. Cause I think that there are some emotions that is so outside the box that it seems like only the spirit can give to us at times. Yeah. And compassion is one of those because it's not natural. Mm-hmm. Compa- if, if we was just beings of evolution, right. we should, I think, I think that you said that. I did. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere. Yeah. It's not mine. Yeah. So you tell it because you better at it than I am. Yeah. If you're, a, if, if you believe wholeheartedly in um, evolution from its most pure standpoint, then it means that for instance, the survival of the fittest is a thing. And so I should not have compassion on somebody um, when like they're down and out and I, you know, am in a place that where I could help them, it shouldn't affect me at all. Because if you think about it from purely evolutionary standpoint, it means that they're down and out. Great. That means I'm stronger. I am better equipped to survive. I am more likely to reproduce, which is the whole point. And so great. I should be able to step on that person and like I should have no compassion on them whatsoever. I should be able to, you know, look at the person who's down and out and be like, great, that means that you're out of the gene pool and I have a better chance of, of reproducing and, and, you know, my offspring surviving kind of thing. True compassion, however, I think that's why like love, for instance, is a fruit of the spirit because true love doesn't really come from that concept, right? True love doesn't come from worldliness as much as it does from the Christian faith. And actually, C.S. Lewis, for instance, would argue that that is one of the um, the proofs of the existence of God is it does make no sense if I only think about things from a um, survival of the fittest standpoint, but true love comes from God. And because we are all made in his image, we all have some level of compassion and love for people. Yeah. And how do we show compassion to people? <clears throat> I think the ultimate Christian answer is we share the gospel with people. Mm-hmm. You should feel deep pit of your stomach anguish for people who are lost and going to hell. Yep. If somebody's on their deathbed and they, they don't know Jesus, that is, if you, you're going to feel despair and anguish in the pit of your stomach mm-hmm. and an urge uh, or a moment of urgency comes about you, it is in that moment where the gospel has to be shared. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they'll accept it, but the gospel has to be shared in that moment. That's where every, your heart, your spirit should be Screaming that out. Mm. That's how I think Christian people are to show compassion to people. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen somebody hurt themselves and you knew it was coming? What's that, that thing that happens right before somebody hurts themselves? Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people laugh, right? Your breath's taken away. But I mean, yeah, there's that thing that, that almost, it's like, it's like the bottom falls out. Right. And you're just like, and before you can do anything, you know, something happens and somebody gets hurt anyway, or you stop them, right? 
Right. It is that same feeling that we should have every time that we, you know, have that chance to share the gospel and don't or do, right? It's this idea that, hey, this could be the last time that you might ever get a chance to hear it because you don't know. Like, the youngest and fittest person, the dude, what's his face from the Bills? What was his name? Oh, uh, Hamilton, I think. Uh, yeah. Hamilton, whatever. Number uh, three. Yeah, number three. Um, DeMar Hamlin, is that right? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Like, that guy, he's, like, super fit, super, like, I mean, he, if there's anybody that should be able to take a hit on the football field and not almost die, it's that kid. You know, but then that thing happens, and he did. And, and without, like, good medical care, he'd have been dead. Right. I mean, that's that's just a fact. And a lot of prayer. Yeah, and a lot of prayer. Well, yes, and a lot of prayer. I mean, that dude, he, he probably shouldn't have come out of that. Um, but it was amazing that the, like, for instance, the ESPN guy, that guy was awesome. Like, had compassion, in my opinion, and praise for the guy. And he, and it just seems like that dude starts to come out of it. You know what I mean? Um, like that, that is compassion that is, um, shown. And that is somebody who you would never think would, like, you would think he would walk away from that, but you never know what somebody's next moment will bring. You never know when somebody's going to step off the curb and get hit by a bus. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, if you ever get the chance to share the gospel, you should. Well, and compassion is not only um, interesting whenever I'm sharing it with someone else. Like, so if you're that person, so if I am sharing it with you, mm-hmm. it's not only miraculous when I share it with you, mm-hmm. but with the people around me, yeah. they are seeing something different. Mm-hmm. And it, it is almost a miraculous thing. People are like, oh, miracles don't happen today. Mm. Um, That's not true. Uh, First off, let alone anytime somebody gets saved mm-hmm. is a miracle. Yep. Second, anytime we show compassion on somebody is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two things go hand in hand. Yep. So, anybody else have something to say about how do we show compassion? I feel like we've talked for a long time. Yeah. Um, well, I was just thinking uh, Alex Kennedy's little baby that was just born. Like, mm. so many people have just, you know, flooded Alex's wall with prayers and and different things and the and the baby's doing a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. And my, that's a miracle right there. Yeah. Yeah, the Lord has has he's been working, right? You've seen him working. Um Hunter kind of give us just a quick little like just a two second like what happened with Alex's baby. Just in case yeah, people don't so know. So I'm he, he didn't give us a lot of backstory, um, mm-hmm. but we did share the video on our Facebook page if you want to go back and watch that. Yeah. But uh, just the, the getting late into the term of uh, pregnancy and something happened that they had to get a mom and baby had to get rushed to the hospital. And it was an emergency C-section? It was C-section, an emergency C-section, okay. uh, C-section yep. And so um, actually it's a, it's a miracle in itself that mom uh, came out uh, as fine as she is. She's at home now yeah. and in recovery and seems to be doing all as well. Um, but the baby's still in the EQ. And so we don't know exactly what happened, but it's, it's insane. Yeah. But the amount of support that they've received, phone calls, texts, I think it's almost been almost aggravating to a point where they've just got so much support. Yeah, he's going, hey, you know, just, <laughs> it was funny. One of the things he said in that video is, is if you're going to text one of us, he's like, text me, don't text the wife because she's recovering, you know. Right, and it's just like, it seems to be like almost to a point where it's like, well, there's too much support. Like, hey, yeah. but that's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it shows that people are having compassion in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, and so kind of to wrap that thought up, um, you know, what do we see? Does God have compassion on us? Yes. Um, and he expresses it in perfect uh, in a perfect way through the cross. There's no greater way to do that. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. So my question is, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You mentioned it whenever it was a Moses and, uh, God was talking to Moses in mm-hmm. the book of Exodus. Well, Paul also brings this up in Romans nine. Mm-hmm. Um, every Calvinist's favorite ver- uh, chapter of the Bible. It is. Yes. Uh, does God have compassion on everyone? Cause he says, I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. That's, that's Paul restating the kind of conversation that yeah. Moses and God had. Yeah. Um, so. Give me answer. 
<laughs> yeah, you should. Go for it. All right. So I'm going to say that, yes, God has compassion for all of us because at any point we can choose to accept Jesus into our lives and follow him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if we didn't have that option, you know, he, what? No. <laughs> What are you laughing at? It's funny. Like the hunter just said something about Cal. Like this is the Calvinist favorite verse. And you're like, and at any point we can choose. And like the Calvinists would say that they can't. Anyway, I, oh. I, I fall in the, we can choose that category. So you keep going, keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> he looks at me and knows my face is hurting. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, I think that, I mean, otherwise, why would we have the Bible? Why would, did Jesus come in the first place? It's a whole if, nother podcast for another day. <laughs> that, yeah, it is. But. You know, if he didn't have, or couldn't wait. How am I supposed to say this? Um, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. And in a sense, I don't want to dive into the con- the conversation of salvation. That's not what I'm diving into here. No, but um, because Jesus came for everybody. That is a long topic, but compassion alone. So He says, "I will have compassion on whom I have compassion." Yeah. So it would give me some insight here that would make me think that there were some people. He doesn't give compassion to, because I wouldn't say that I give my money to whom I will. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that means that there are obviously people who I don't give my money to Mm -hmm. if I said that to you. So normal me just trying to understand what the context of this conversation is, is that there's some people who God doesn't show mercy to. Who are those people? Why would he say that? And that's true. Um, like your murderers and rapists and all of that. But I mean, Paul was a murderer and he experienced the love of Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, and so, and that's the, that's that the thing. That was the one case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, you know, if you think about it, it's like not everybody will be saved, right? Um, not everybody. We talked about this today in church just a little bit. Like not everybody is a child of God. Only the people who um, are saved are children of God because those who are saved are adopted into the family. Without that, we are enemies of God, not children of God. But then you start thinking about it. And, and though the, the statement does say, I will have compassion on whom I have compassion, I have mercy on whom I have mercy. It, the implication there is like, hey, that means maybe not everybody does, but think about it for just a second. Like literally every breath that I have, comes from God. Mm-hmm. says that his mercies are made new every morning. Now, one could argue that's only on the person who believes. Um, but still, like, I think it's the mercy of God that I don't just keel over right now. Right. Um, I think it's the mercy of God that... Well, so, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Right. So, that means that every good thing in my life comes from God. I think that is a mercy and a compassion. Maybe. Yeah, you know what's that doesn't interesting? Mean everybody's saved, you know what? Well, right. Uh, what's interesting to me is here is right after he says that, Paul jumps into Pharaoh, and he says, and he says basically, I hardened Pharaoh, I raised Pharaoh up, yeah, so that my glory will be shown through all the earth. Mm-hmm. So he raised Pharaoh up to be the way that Pharaoh was. He had Pharaoh killed the way that Pharaoh was killed in the, the whole situation, uh, so that God's glory may be known. Um, Man, my answer to this is I do not think God has compassion. I mean, this is a big shocker, right? Mm -hmm. I do not think God has compassion on everyone. But if he doesn't have compassion on everyone, he is just to do so because Mm -hmm. he is God. For one of us to go to heaven makes God merciful and just uh, and righteous. I mean, if he chose one person to go to heaven and send us all to hell, he would still be merciful because not one person deserves to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but but along the lines of like if every good and perfect gift comes from above, like true. like literally if every good thing in my life comes from above, even for the hellbound sinner, like the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Like if you think about that, for instance, yeah, this talks about his mercy. Yeah, there. like that's a yeah, that's a like a gift. Even even every good thing right. for the believer and the unbeliever so is I, a gift. I guess, so and I guess if you think about it, now that I'm saying that, like the feeding of the five thousand, for instance. If you read it, if you read it in the Gospel of John, you have the feeding of the five thousand. Then, literally, like right after that, Jesus makes the statement about like you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That whole thing, right. and then all of those people that he just had compassion on leave. Mm-hmm. So none of them, probably, were, or at least some of them. We'll say at least some of them for sure were not saved people. Like did yeah, not believe and in I'm, Jesus. And I'm not saying that any that everyone God has compassion on. Is saved. Yeah, not, and that, I guess that, that is kind of the. Yeah. Um, but what I am saying is there has to be some who does it, or he wouldn't have made that statement. 
and Paul wouldn't have used that statement. And he used Pharaoh as an example um, and things like that. But in Romans 9, he's, he's in the in the end, he's kind of pointing back to salvation eventually. Like, he's kind of making an argument in the end, in my opinion, um, that both of these groups in the Roman church can be saved, right? You have the Gentiles and you have the Jews. Yeah, and no it doesn't matter which one you are, God extends the olive branch of salvation to right. both groups. Goes into Romans 11, talking about being adopted and engrafted into the tree. But yes. my whole point is, it's just interesting that the, that, that conversation comes up in the Bible about compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's always an interesting question to me because I'm like, well, does he have compassion on everyone? Does he not have compassion on some? And you're kind of like, if he doesn't, who am I? Mm-hmm. To that's say, true. and that's I think that's also in Romans nine. Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Yeah, um, I am not. It, it is not my place to sit here and say, God, how dare you not have compassion on that one person? It is, but it's my place to say, God, you are merciful, and you are just, and you are righteous, and you are holy for having compassion just on one. Mm-hmm. And but you've done it to billions. Mm-hmm. That is where I think the mindset has to be. Mm. Not on how did you not do it to the one, but you had it on billions. Mm-hmm. How did you not give me my Mercedes? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, I digress. Uh, we've, we've talked about my next question, how has Jesus already had compassion on us? We already talked about his finished works on the cross uh, multiple times. That's how almost every verse in here talked about compassion. Thank Philippians uh, 2 really brought that home. He uh, even brought himself to death, even on a cross. And I like how it says, even on a cross. It's a sinner's um, death. It is how people who were nasty, nasty, a.k.a. thugs, I would say, of that time died. Mm-hmm. Um you didn't. They didn't stone him to death. They didn't whip him to death. They didn't just hang him, but they nailed him up and let him suffer. Yeah. Uh, that he had, and he did it for us all that who would believe. Mm-hmm. So that's who he did it for. Yeah. Um. So my point is. The cat. Oh, it's the cat. Time. So to that point, I think it really brings us into the last 10%. Last 10%. Because it it all kind of just flowed that way. Um, now that we had a, a fun little, uh, does God have compassion on everyone talk, um, which we'll never get the answer of that to. Jessica, what's your last 10%? I'm tired. <laughs> nap well, to the show. is about to nap to the show. <laughs> Jesus had compassion on everybody. Well, that's a good last 10%. Works for me. Ben? Uh, So my last 10% for me, I kind of want to drive this point home just a little bit. I'm back to James 2 again. Um, You know, James 2.18, it says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, there's plenty of places, I can't go into them right now, that say that, like, we don't earn our, our salvation by what we do. Um, otherwise, grace no longer is grace. Um, it's in Romans. It's all over the place. But what we see um, here is that someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. And then it says, you believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. So if you believe that God exists, you have demonic faith. That's what you have. Um Then it says, senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works, faith was made complete. So again, um, I just feel like you have to throw that in there that you can believe in God, but at that point, you've got a demonic level of faith. Your, Your faith then gets completed by what you do with it. And so, you know, people say all the time, like, well, now that I believe I can go and do whatever I want. That's not true. Um, you can't. Your faith is completed by your works. And so if you want to go and live like the devil, guess what? You have demonic faith, sir. And you're going to go where the demons go, which is to hell. Dina? <laughs> <laughs> be blessed and encouraged. <laughs> well, if we're supposed to be like Christ in you know, we read several verses of where Jesus had compassion on people. 
For me, it's how can I be compassionate more toward others and what can I do in my daily walk to to show that compassion? I'll break my down into two, five uh, percent. <laughs> that compassion is the feeling that we have. Love is the verb of acting on that compassion. Um, compassion, I think, is given to us by the Spirit so that we can demonstrate the love of Christ to the world. Because um, I think that I think that is just a big help that we get, we have. Um, and second, I think it is imperative to us to know that even if God does not have compassion on everyone, if he does, if he doesn't, he is merciful to have it on, uh, he is, he is great and awesome to at least show it to one person. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we miss that point a lot when we talk about these things is that, Oh, how can one, you know, person go to hell? Well, I've heard that all the time in my workplace. God is not really loving if he lets one person go to hell. No, God is great and loving because he allowed one person to enter paradise. Yeah. That you have, it, you have a wrong view of self whenever you think like that. Mm-hmm. You, you do not realize, we don't want to throw out a Calvinistic word here, you do not realize about your depravity mm-hmm. um, and things like that. I mean, every, and I say that, but everybody along the spectrum of belief believes in depravity. Yeah. Uh, the, the original viewpoint of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do not realize where you're at on the spectrum of God when you're, when you're saved. You said it earlier, you are an enemy of God. Mm-hmm. You're not a child. You're an enemy of God yeah. when you're not covered by Jesus's blood. Yeah. That's a scary place to be. Right. Well, and it makes it so much more amazing that God gives us any good thing when right. we think about the fact that we're literally his enemies. And think about this, when he says that and his mercy reigns on the just and the unjust, that he would even show those people mercy, his enemies. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. So from people to say, well, God's really not all that compassionate. If he, he wasn't compassionate on Billy over there, you know, well. Billy had good things in his life though too. Like, right. And Billy, I would argue, had the chance at some point. So, sure. You know. And, but to say that one person throughout the years God showed compassion to is enough for me. Mm-hmm. If that was the only person he ever showed compassion to, that is enough for me mm-hmm. to worship this God. Yep. So guess what it's time for? <laughs> Woo! It's time for Bust Out Your Bibles of Ben. The and, last one. And I have a sad, yeah, I have sad news. It's the last one for a while. Hey, well, Dina just like spoiler alerted your news. Oh. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Because you know what? I don't know what we'll have next, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're going to have another thing that replaces Bust Out Your Bibles with Ben for a while. And I must say, I'm kind of glad because I've been running out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Even though there's so much good stuff in the Bible to talk about and all the things, it's like... Wow. You what? come up with a million ideas wow. throughout the entire week, and then when we get here... I get the like, stage fright. Wow. I know. Right. I mean, we just sit here and talk for about five minutes about how Hunter's random question's coming back. I know. And, and then ben Ben's completely like, no. It's because I'm hoping it doesn't... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, will it be Hunter's random question? Yeah. Yeah, you, you we voted. We, we did not vote because I, I did not vote. <laughs> I did not vote, but wow. I will say I'm excited. Hunter and I if, voted. For Hunter's if the, if the intro before the intro goes away, I'll do a new bit. The word you're looking for there is anyways. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Greek word. I was actually going to say this for Bust Out Your Bibles of Ben, but I didn't. I decided it was important enough to leave in the in the regular body of the show, which is Splendid Zomahi. It is the Greek word for compassion. Short me. Um... Did you know that Splink didn't zombie? Well, how many times? I don't say did you know. I'm yelling, you. you woke Jessica up. I'm sorry, Jess. <laughs> I didn't have enough compassion on you. I apologize. Um, how many times does Splink did zombie appear in scripture in total? Dina, how many times? Like the word? The word. How many times in Greek is it used? Uh, um, seven. Uh, Hunter. 81. Jessica. 20. The answer, ladies and gentlemen, is 12. Oh. It is used. I wasn't too far off. Exactly 12 times. Now, <laughs> let's go off the rails for just a minute because it's exciting. <gasps> okay. Oh my gosh. Number one, 
Matthew chapter 14. We talked about it, right? We talked about the feeding of the 5,000. How many basketfuls of leftovers are picked up at the feeding of the 5,000? Hunter, 12. Tina, how many times is Blake Nidzolahi used in the Bible? You said 12. 12. <laughs> Jessica, how many tribes in the nation of Israel are there? 12. 12. Oh, my gosh. Now, mine is blown. <laughs> And here's why. I'm excited, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm a Bible nerd, just the way it is. Number one, I always wondered when I was a kid, why? Why would there be 12 basketfuls of leftovers picked up when Jesus feeds 5,000 people? Where is Jesus in that particular moment? He is in the nation of Israel. And there are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And so what I think, I've read this in a commentary, by the way, totally stole this from a really smart person who's a whole lot smarter than me. Um, if you look at that miracle, there are 12 baskets picked up. There are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. And it really links itself back to this idea that Jesus, his grace is enough to save every one of the tribes of Israel. His grace is enough. Therefore, he could save anyone if he, if they chose, <laughs> if they chose to accept it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Hunter with this Calvinist way. Um, so then... You've got that concept. And then two, if you look two chapters, or actually it's one chapter later, you have the feeding of the 4,000, 3,000, 4,000, something like that, whatever. The point is, there were seven basketfuls of leftovers picked up in that one. Why seven? Now, again, this goes back to somebody who was a lot smarter than me. There were seven nations, and this was outside of the land of Israel. This would have been in Gentile country. There were seven nations represented there in the lands of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon, however you want to say that. Meaning that Jesus, his grace is enough to save literally anyone in the world, including Gentiles now. <gasps> Scandalous. So, I think it's interesting, number one, that there are 12 times that Splenid Zumahi is mentioned in Scripture. Number two, it's also interesting that every one of those 12 times, guess who has the feeling in their bowels of Splenid Zumahi? Jesus does. Hmm. Every time. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion in Matthew 9 because they fainted and were scattered abroad, the sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude as he was getting out of the boat and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32, when Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now these three days and having nothing to eat, I will not send them away. Matthew 18, 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave the debt that that particular thing is a parable, and the master, in that case, the Lord of the servant, is who? Jesus. It's God. And it goes on and on and on. Twelve times, all of those times mentioned by God alone as the one having compassion on people. Twelve tribes in the nation of Israel means that God has enough compassion to save anyone that he pleases who would come to him and accept his free gift of salvation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, totally for I, your I agree with that. <laughs> compassion. I didn't say anything. I, I, anyway, anyway, All anyway, those shots taken. Anyway, anyway, that is my final bust out your Bibles with Ben for this time. Yeah. Well, Thank for this time around, yeah. This time around. You know, it may come back around one day. If it does, I'm going to write down every time that I ever go, oh, I should talk about that on bust out Bible. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, then we go for, we have 10 episodes of Hunter's Random Question, 10 more episodes of Dina's Fun Facts. We offered it to Jessica, but she said, I'm not interested in doing such a thing. It's she's not that we don't love her. She's hardly interested in talking. Well, you know, she read for me this time. She did a great job. Good job. So much love. Yep. Compassion. Mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, after all those shots that was taken at me, um, and that bust out your Bibles with Ben. Uh, I still show compassion to Ben. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, but for the record, I, I agreed with all of it, so you're fine. You Greek? I, I agreed with uh, all of it. Gotcha. I'll explain how later. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, well, so thank you all for tuning in, listening. Yes. Being part of the show. We love you all. I don't even know how many lessons we're up to now. Please. A lot. It's went up dramatically I, I in the past few It's over 1,200. Yeah. But you know what? Thank you guys for your support. There is a little support button there. If you uh, love us and want to, <laughs> Ben chuckles, and you want to, you know, give us the money, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. Just put the money in the bag and click the button. That's it. Well, y'all, be blessed. We'll see you soon.
you for listening to the Altered Podcast. Be sure to join us next week for a brand new episode. Also, be sure to join us on the Altered Podcast Facebook page for updates and other cool content. See you next week.